Breaking the Panel is made possible by you and other listeners just as awesome as you are. If you want to support the show and get a little something in return, just go to patreon.com slash breaking the panel because we do appreciate the help. It might have been the day that we recorded that episode like beforehand or it might have been afterwards. I sent him a a Facebook message like, hey, Travis, you know, I love you, right? That was his warning. (laughs) (laughs) These days, the comic book owns pop culture. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us, we're living the comic's life. We're breaking the panel. And welcome to Breaking the Panel, episode number 100. We are going to be... There we go. See, see, after a hundred different intros, I didn't expect any kind of enthusiasm from any of you guys for any reason. But I just kept talking. But that's oh man, I I can't tell you how exhausting it is to record a hundred episodes with you guys. (laughs) The funniest part, though, is this. Actually, I don't know, one hundred and fourteen, hundred and fifteen, because we decided early on not to number the panels and the specials like cover thon those kind of things and but this is actual official show 100 so tonight is going to be some cool news some fun stuff like we do and then we're just going to talk about the road that got us here and the celebration that we have we've got a few voicemails to play it's going to be awesome but before we do all of that i and the rock out podcasting charles mcfall and going in order of joining the show next up is the wonderful soapbox clots Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I expect anything different? And then shortly after Paul joined up, came along a man named Christoph Wisdom. And I got one person on the show one time, and I that's that's just the coattails I've been writing ever since. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that. And making a many an amazing guest appearance. And finally. Finally, weaseling his way by calling his uncle at the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. to get Chris taken out of the picture it is TV's Casey. <laughs> it's me. So there. We're going to get in some awesome stuff today and uh, uh, talk about the road. What, what did they say on Supernatural? The road till now? Carry on my wayward son. We're going to talk about that stuff coming up. But first, we got a little bit of news. I've been watching The Runaways on Hulu. I don't really have anything bad to say. It's, it's a little slow uh, because I've read all the books and my kids. It is geared towards preteen and teenagers, I believe. And they throw in a little bit of the adult drama for the Desperate Housewives crowd. It feels like none of it's bad. It, it's been interesting. But knowing the book and and like the first three episodes, uh, my wife, is she's not into it. It's too slow for her. But I was like, no, see, see, the first book, all that crap that happened over the three episodes happens like in the first three panels of the book. And then, the, you know, we take off. So they're, they're kind of dragging it out. Has anybody else watched The Runaways yet? Yep. I'll yep. cut up. I, I think I'm behind one. I watched episode four today. I just watched the Foist episode because I'm one of those jerks who waits until the show is totally over and finished before i <laughs> hop on in i kind of like that if i you know if i have time to binge watch i prefer to do it that way just to knock them all out right i mean i'm just worried because you know i fall in love real easy man and i know that you know if i start liking a show and i gotta start watching it week to week i'm gonna tear my hair up uh you know yeah i get that i i, I hate waiting when it's a good show i hate waiting like game of thrones i will watch as it comes out but i'm like give me next week i'm ready to go the first time, you know, side story here, the first time that ever happened to me was uh, The Sopranos was four seasons in, 
and it happened. My partner, I was working on the ambulance and my partner was into it. So she had me watch it. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'll call my wife and she's like, yeah, that sounds cool. Well, we Netflix in the early days, you only got DVDs, but we, we definitely got the whole first three seasons on DVD from Netflix and just binge watched the crap. I was the first time I ever binge watched anything. And that, that was the miracle drug, man. I've been hooked on binge watching ever since. But okay, so Chris, you said I know Klaus, you did too. But I heard Chris first. Chris, you said you've watched it. What do you think about the Runaways? I like it. I don't know that I like it more than I like The Gifted. Um, I like them okay. both for different reasons, sure. and I think I like them equal. Um, I'm I'm tuning in each week for both of them as as they come on. Um, they're definitely two different feels. I mean, they're similar, but definitely different feels. I feel like. Yes, absolutely. Yep. I just I th- I think I was looking at it from the aspect that I mean, this is like the the teen exploring their powers. Yeah, yeah storyline yeah, so yeah. um sure. and then there's this this element of on the run but uh no i've liked it so far i, I kind of like the slow burn of the show actually because i feel like it's i feel like the sh- the show is picking up the pace with each episode as as the the action and stuff is starting to pick up naturally with with the progression of the story so until okay. they find out that something's wrong with their parents things would be hunky dory and life would be going on as normal so it'd be slow then you start to figure out this x you know a b c d and then as it starts to ramp up then i think the shows are starting to get more and more things happening in them so yeah i do like that i haven't hated the the slowness it was like because at first the first episode like and and clots warned me i mean he put it out on his page but i did see it. he's like you know they dropped three episodes at once and then it's weekly after that and i said the first three episodes are great it's a slow burn but the character building is really good if i remember correctly that's the quote that he said and so i was prepared for that so going in i was like all right you know i've i have enjoyed watching the the characters be developed and and seeing noticing the little changes and not hating them you're knowing that things are going to change for tv from the book for sure and seeing seeing the good stuff you know the fistagons the the x-ray goggles seeing molly develop her powers those kind of things it's been been cool the slow burn on that and i gotta say uh the natural, I want because I don't want to give it away for anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about. But the the naturalist pair, right? The uh, the mm-hmm. yeah, the hippies, if you will, the people who love the animals and do the science work. Uh, spot on with how they made them up for from the comic. I mean, the second I saw them, I'm like, whoa, they got that pairing correct. You know, that was really really good. Thoughts? What are your thoughts? Uh, I believe I'm all caught up. I I've been digging it. Um, I think the character work is exceptional, which is good. I think that's one of the things that Marvel is excelling at with pretty much all their shows at the moment is that the character work is solid. Um, The pacing is slow, though. I will admit that um, we're starting to see some momentum on the storyline now uh, in episode five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, five. Uh, So, you know, we're starting to see it move a bit. Uh, actually, five kind of gets wild, to be honest. Like some some stuff happens. Good. And uh, so and like some stuff that can't be taken back. You know what oh, I mean? Because like you're good. I f- I felt like a lot of the stuff that happened in the first couple episodes, like none of it really mattered yet. But now it's like stuff that matters. It's starting to lock um, in. Yeah, good. It, it's interesting. I think one of my favorite angles on it, without without giving anything away, I think one of my favorite storyline angles on it is it it feels to me very much like most of these parents. The, the it's already like advertised this way. The gist of it is. All of these characters find out that their parents are part of an evil cult. Super villains. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, the thing is, though, it's it feels a lot like they're all kind of trapped in it. 
and mm-hmm. some more than others. Like some embrace the evilness of it and the you know the subterfuge and all that more than others. You know, and it it but you can tell that they're like it's a collective thing where they're all trapped by it. They realize it, you know, like they're and, and I like that. I like that self awareness. So. And I think that's something maybe Bendis wanted to push more out front because in the, the original, I think it was 18 book run, that came out towards the end when the kids mm-hmm. finally you come to face to face with the, the gibberum and the, the, the parents and, and more of the parent story comes out towards the end of the book. And so we're getting it up front. And I, I agree with you. I am enjoying that part. I mean, we also get all that stuff with like the young wilder dad for a while, which, yeah. was, which was weird, but cool. So you're, uh, and so you've only seen the first episode, but you're digging it, Casey. Yeah, I mean, it definitely shows promise. I think the casting, which is, uh, you know, is remarkable. It's probably the most important part of it too, because if you don't get, you know, likable not kids, but you know, young adult actors in this, yeah, you're gonna run into some real problems real fast, because um, you know how bad some kid actors can be. But yeah, I'm I'm more than more than on board. I just I just need it to wrap up before I I really commit. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. What's do we know what the projected run? Like how many episodes it's supposed to be? Is it done and I've already missed it? Like have yeah, I already no, they've only done uh five episodes. Five episodes. Okay. I'll I'll jump on IMDB and yeah, I'm on I'm on okay. Wikipedia right now and it's only showing one more episode so far. So six six episode run? Ten episode series running between the uh, November twenty first to January ninth. So we're gonna get ten total. So we're we're gonna get six this week. Yeah, and it is huh. currently yeah. So, but it looks like they're holding a lot of that information close to the chest. And you kind of need to, because honestly, part of the thrill ride was figuring out what was going on along with the characters in the book, just not knowing up from down. You know, um, I, I've I was looking forward to that. Uh, how they're doing some of the, the powers and, and the discovery of things is very interesting. It's it's very much there's a lot of even though it's obvious to the audience, some of it is very subtle the way they're doing it. It's not an in your face. All of a sudden I have superpowers and up, up and away. You know, it's, it's as teenagers would, they're kind of maybe hiding it. They're ashamed. They're not sure what to say about it. Different things like that. And I just, I honestly, as a, a fan of the books, I'm like, come on, get to the, get to the good stuff. Give me the, the, where's my twist. Run away. I, I need the twist. <laughs> I am using it uh, as teaching moments. Cause there was a moment with the uh, lacrosse team. And I'll leave it there. Um, that spreads over a couple of episodes minimum. I know at least was popping up in episode four as well. And I'm using that as teaching moments with my kids uh, about, you know, saying stuff and standing up for what's right and blah, blah, blah. And the most interesting thing about it is my five-year-old, six-year-old. He's six now. He just turned six a little while ago. Rylan, all he ever wants to do is punch stuff and run around and he'll watch Spider-Man, but only when Spider-Man's on the screen, he got bored at the slow, spot, slow parts and all that jazz. He's watched every one of these episodes with us so far. And I'm trying to figure out what hooked him into wanting to sit there and watch this with us when, you know, we watched Spider-Man Homecoming specifically so he could see it and he got bored. I don't know, but it's definitely, it's got something to it. And, you know, the superpowers can be overplayed. So when that, if you take that out of the picture, if you don't have a solid story and a solid character base, you're going to fail. And I think they're excelling at both. I think they're really working on that story and they're definitely getting the character base down it seems like moving on to the next thing this uh made me think of paul Klotz for many reasons uh you like stranger things don't you paul sure 
<laughs> he knows what's coming. No, no, I'm not mocking you. I'm not. I'm not calling out your show or anything. But you also like. I know you like tabletop games, but I think you you're into some of the the role playing games. But there's a new role playing game coming out that sounds really kind of interesting. And the artwork, actually, I'm really digging the artwork, the hand drawn stuff here. Uh, Tales from the Loop is a role playing game. It's what happens with Netflix, Stranger Things, and Welcome to Night Vale, which is a nice podcasting reference. Go bump in the night. Uh, as players, you take on the roles of kids in the 1980s. They range from 9 to 15. Aliens are real. Time travel is possible. And robots are commonplace. And uh, you go from uh, through the desert town of Boulder City, Nevada, and you play through. So, of course, the article is very light on what goes on into the story. Uh, but it kind of it looks interesting. I'm not sure if it's one I would play, but I'd watch the crap out of it if they made a show out of it. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, is that the kind of thing that gets your your interest there, Klotz? Uh, well, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know anything about this. Uh, this is my first time seeing it. Uh, I will say that, you know, uh, okay, I'm not going to go full soapbox, but I'll say this. There seems to be an inclination right now where people keep trying to reinvent the wheel with RPGs. Okay. Tabletop RPGs. And I don't understand why we have a lot of game systems that exist. I mean, D and D is one and there's, there's close auxiliaries to it there, but there's also systems that are wildly different. Like you can get more fiddly such as like GURPS where like everything is, can become a stat and it all, it's all percentage and everything. It gets, it gets like spreadsheety or you can get more simplistic and trim down, which, uh, you know, some of the newer systems, uh, like the one that, um, the geek and sundry people use for their stuff. I forget what it, it's, uh, something age. It, it, it was originally based on the dragon age, uh, system that was developed. But anyways, the point is there are systems that are, Rules heavy, rules light, whatever. But like people keep trying to reinvent a system to to play these games, and it's like it's not necessary. So it, as a setting, you know what I mean. Like for so the fluff side of it, like the world that you might be projecting characters into and playing in, mm-hmm. sounds cool. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. Gotcha. As a game itself, I'm not sure that it's necessary in that regard. And I honestly think that uh, I would challenge people out there to start maybe publishing some books that are supplementary to whatever system they want to do and just like build a world building guide type, you know, like as a product, like sell a book that is like, this is our scenario. This is our setting. You know, this is the world that you you can play in. Now choose the system that you want to pair this with. If that It's kind of, yeah, I got it's you. like. It's like your your dinner pairing, right? Like you're pairing wine or beer or whatever with the meal. You know, you don't have to brew the the beer or the wine. You know what I mean? Like make the wine yourself every time you want to make a meal. And yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So don't. And that's just me. I, I you know what I mean? I guess there obviously there's always room for innovation, and I, I don't want to crush anybody's ingenuity, but. There's so much competition out there for role-playing games now. So many different systems. And some of them are open to third-party publishers making supplementary products. Uh, that's one of the things that made D&D 
as big as it is, especially in the modern age. In the late 90s, they rolled out uh, the OGL, the Open Gaming License, which allowed basically any third-party company to make supplementary materials for their game under certain criteria. They just had to follow these basic, basic rules. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and they released the core the core data for the core the core of the game system itself. You know what I mean? So like the raw mechanics are available in an open source document, and it was a huge step forward because it it democratized this content. You know what I mean? That still exists in some form today. So take advantage of it. You know what I mean? If you have an awesome campaign setting idea a a world you want to throw at people and you're not gonna throw it out into the world through like fiction or something like that then go for it you know like like make a supplementary product i just don't think you need to make a a new game all the time is what i really wanted to emphasize sorry that no i get you no and that makes a lot of sense yeah i get that uh now you mentioned gurps and how it could be um that there, everything could be a stat, right? It gets really spreadsheety. Yeah. And that kind of game, what becomes the dump stat? Uh, well, you know, not wisdom, <laughs> but in D and D, it is certainly <laughs> wisdom. You dump that shit right away. I just see. I set you up. <laughs> To knock it out, you're like, no, no wisdom. No, no, because like, ah, yeah, no, no, no. it's my joke. I said, <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, moving on. Uh, hey, plus, you know, what if we really need like insight or something? Man. I can, I, I can, I can feel the groan that Phil's gonna have in a few days when this episode posts, and <laughs> Charles did that to the joke. <laughs> I just, I'm ashamed. I am ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> to to set up a, a slam dunk, and we were ashamed too, Charles. To, we to were ashamed too. Just whiff, whiff it. Shame, shame, shame. Boo this man! Boo! <laughs> Boo! Boo <this> man. <laughs> so moving on to other things, I'm not good at. There's a new trailer out, <laughs> Ready Player One, that I have not watched, but apparently you guys have. Yeah. No, you watched you watched the trailer, like an eight month old trailer, and that's the last one you get to watch, right? I watched that's all I needed, man. I saw the teaser, like that looks good. It's got my money. I'm good. I'm good. What good does it do to get overhyped? Just like on January first going, guess what, kiddos? You got Christmas coming up in twelve freaking months, man. I'm good. So you're not gonna listen to any Christmas music? I don't really listen to Christmas music anyway. Oh, that's crazy. What's wrong with you? I definitely don't listen to it after January the 1st. It's like you don't wear oh, white true. pants after Labor Day, man. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Christmas music year-round kind of guy. Do you, yeah, I'm do not you wear a lot of white pants, Charles? <laughs> no, but I know the rules of wearing white pants. I don't do it. He's like Jesse Custer. We just don't know. Like He's, he's, rock, he's bringing him back. You know, <laughs> it's not just pants, right? Like You're just you not supposed white. to wear you white. wear white. Yeah, but you you really made it about pants. I did, I did indeed. Did you did you Spider Man your jeans, home man? <laughs> home, man? home slice, <laughs> my man. So we're not gonna talk about the the trailer. Uh, there's a yeah, Casey. This was you, man. This yes. was you, Casey. So for for people who don't know, Ready Player One is the latest Spielberg epic. 
uh, about what? a what? Wait a minute! Wait a minute! What? Wait a minute! Even I what know the there's a much acclaimed book first. Yeah, yeah. What a it's, it's, dick. Based, on, it's based on a book by Ernest Klein, which yeah. apparently in nerd circles is kind of a mixed bag. What? Uh, yeah, that's that's the the real impression that I'm I'm learning now, having what? read that book twice and really loved it. Uh, it's what weird. Kind of nerds, do you talk to? Because every nerd I've ever talked to that is aware of it has gushed about it yeah see that's what i thought too until i like really started digging into the reception about this thing and it's not like it's not like a big bang theory thing where it's sort of the equivalent of like a minstrel show but for nerds (laughs) which is like the best analogy i think i can come up with for that show and it's still kind of offensive. Um, <laughs> did, he say min- did he say minstrel or menstrual? Because I think he meant minstrel. <laughs> oh, I did. The accent, no. the accent threw me. It's definitely not a show for girls. So it's going to be minstrel. Uh, but yeah, so I, the, regardless of the, the nerdception here, which again, I am starting to find polarized. Uh, it's about a, a kid who grows up in a economic dystopia you know kind of a resource you know devoid landscape where the only place you can really live is on this perfectly digital recreation of reality that you can kind of tailor make however you want appropriately called the oasis and the guy who made it he dies and leaves his fortune and control of the oasis to whoever can find his easter egg which is hidden by a series of keys and gates and more 80s references than you can shake a stick at. But it looks like the way the movie, the Spielbergian epic, as I have (laughs) so correctly put forward... Boo this man! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's, uh, It's adapted for film by Spielberg. Whether it's an epic or not remains to be seen. Okay, how's that? Better? Better. Uh, and the new trailer in this case shows a, you know, a lot of the stuff we kind of saw in the last one, uh, but it's got a, a better narration, I think. It shows a little bit more of the racing bits and the fighty bits and how, uh, you know, I guess the visual effects too, which I really like. Um, although the one thing I didn't care for this at all was the portrayal of Halliday. Uh, he always struck me as more of an eccentric and not just like this weird monotone like guy. I don't know. There's just, are you he, saying I feel he's like Korg? Is that what you're saying? He's your, <laughs> no, Korg. he's not like, he's, I, I don't love your Korg. I heard you say it. Look, I heard I, you I, first, say it. First of all, I still don't know why you like Korg that much. Second, <laughs> uh, it's weird. I mean, I don't know. This is the first time I've ever seen a translation from something I've read to something I've seen on screen where I was like, that's wrong, and I know it's wrong, and it doesn't feel right based on how I read it the first time. I've never had that before in an adaptation, and it's a little weird, because, like, I have affection for this book, but I'm not, like, a di- like I wouldn't, you know, protest the film or anything that it, it gets things wrong, if, if that is the case. I mean, there's already, uh, there already appear to be a lot of changes, but I don't know. When have you guys felt something like that? 
like where you saw an adaptation and you saw changes and it like really got under your skin. Chris, so help me God. Chris, <laughs> so help me God. You better go with something different. Better freaking go with something different. This is your last damn episode. Uh, I, there was that. Um, <laughs> oh, what was it? <laughs> it was uh, Batman versus Superman. <laughs> oh, that one. Man of Steel, I take your pick. Cause uh, uh, come on, we with went, something real. We went with like two weeks without that happening. <laughs> Did we? We're so close. Did we? Oh. Right now, zero days since the BVS reference. <laughs> well, I mean, flipping the placard over as we speak. Very, very soon we get to like not talk about BVS ever again. So that's great. Um. I, well, okay, so the, the adaptation thing, I feel you on that, Casey, because, um, well, we talked about it last week. Jurassic Park, for example. If you read Jurassic Park, there's some key differences in the film from the book. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, that's very a major key difference. Yeah. There's some, All of like, which I find less egregious than the, the Lost World ones, but yeah. Well, but, and I, yeah. The, well, that's what I was going to say. But I, as you'll recall, what I said last week is I'm like, for the most part, they made sense as concessions to the formatting. However, the Lost World was vastly different, mm. and it, it actually lost a lot of the the magic and the and the spirit of the second book, yeah. mm-hmm. which was unfortunate because there's some great moments in it. You know what I mean? Like some some absolutely amazing moments in that book. Um, yeah, you know, it, from arguably one of modern contemporary history or not history, but contemporary fiction's greatest storytellers. Cause Crichton has just in his lifetime, he pumped out an insane amount of great stories. I mean, how many movies have been adapted from his work? A lot, a lot, a lot. So, but yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. And, um, well, you know, another good example, Lord of the Rings. And the Hobbit. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna play the stupid cards. Like I even know Lord of Rings wasn't written by Michael Crichton. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I well, know no, but it's, it's yeah. the same sort of thing. You look at the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and there was such a slavish devotion to getting every little detail right that, like, unless you're a nitpicker who has no regard for how real life works. And therefore, you just can't see past certain things. You understand every like everything makes perfect sense because it, it's all very faithfully adapted. But then you look at The Hobbit, and mm-hmm. it's just such a rush job by comparison that some of the characters are characterized differently. They just literally created a character out of the ether. You know what I mean? For an elven maiden just appeared. To sell action, to, I don't know. Who doesn't uh, love Elven Maidens? I, it, I'm fine with Elven Maidens. So, I'm just not f- fine with love stories that shouldn't have existed. Okay, so she's the, she was a lover because I never really read The Hobbit, so I didn't know she was a made up character. She's not in the book. She's not. Yeah. Okay. She's a oh. complete fabrication for the film. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and, I mean, I'll take. Oh, sorry. But, yeah, no. Go ahead. No, Chris, go ahead. Run with no, it. No, no. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Because I was gonna no. go off on a different. So continue. No, do it. I'm done. Okay. No, I was gonna say. I mean, I'll take another swing. Not it's at DC, but I you know, their first outing in the the DC animated universe. I was so 
I was probably more pissed at the de- at the animated Death and Return of Superman than I was at BVS and and Man of Steel put together. Oh, because um, they they completely scrapped the they, Superboy Cyborg Superman. Well, not even that. Just the, the adaptation of the whole Doom the the death portion. If they would have just focused on the death portion and gotten that half right, but there was so much that they changed and things that they added that I had no like the only the only funny thing or the only the only the only shining light that I found in that movie was Kevin Smith got to put his uh, John Peters joke in there when he's uh, fighting toy man. He's like, see, I told you we didn't need Superman to fight a dumb uh, giant spider or whatever. I mean, that that's the only worthwhile thing out of that movie. And, and that was just a horrible adaptation just is what it was. <laughs> and it almost turned me off to the DC animated universe completely. Um, but they followed Wonder Woman was good. Um, there was the uh, that first Batman one that the, with the uh, anime artist, right? Wasn't oh, that- where it was it was like five vignette mm-hmm. stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is what? What? It's yes. it was there was an anime adaptation of oh, of that's Batman. not what we're what is is five what vignettes. <laughs> Vignettes, buddy. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a well, I mean, word. that's how we say it. Uh, <laughs> only, it's, it's weird. I don't actually know if I've ever spoken that word aloud before. I don't think you have because I'm only, pretty sure. I've only read it. Yeah. Like in word form. Yeah, but you don't get to call me Georgia anymore. I mean, you just lost that card. I'm, just, well, I'm <laughs> the one that calls you Georgia. That's why he's replacing you. So. Yeah, 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 but we've already established that Uncle Daddy doesn't remember who people are because we're all just the same <laughs> yeah i've got a weird history of doing that with words i said a epi- uh epitome for years instead of epitome, epitome? <laughs> well yeah. it depends on what you're talking about if you're talking about the most awesome library in the world you might could say epitome epitome epic tome <laughs> epic tome there you go he might could he, uh, could he might could say that charles he might could he might could Seems i like could Georgia thing he might could Right, whatever. So there were a bunch of vignettes uh, of Batman done by famous uh, Japanese studios that was done in like a Legends of the Dark Knight fashion. That's yeah. what he's talking about. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh, don't. Oh, we just you know. Thank you for that. Like, hey, you're welcome. That that's probably any, any chance I get to slip up from the absolute perfection I bring to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you know what? That's gonna be the next like thing I do for this when I do a graphic. It's gonna be a picture of me, it's gonna be in gray, and it's gonna be like wrong on the crow, wrong on pronunciations, wrong for BTP. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I appreciate every little bit that you, you give me to make me feel better about myself. I do. Yeah. <laughs> you bet. I will never be as filthy of a casual, but you know, I hey, that's like that. We we need so, to let me let me circle back to Ready Player One though. So here's the thing. So I think that that there's a lot of shallowness to the the book in general, which seems to be the like the main issue, and that it's sort of nostalgia for nostalgia's sake, and that you know the story itself is not. I guess anything to write home about, like it's fine. And it's your, your classic hero, hero journey. Like kid comes from nothing, finds a girl that he likes, ends up saving the world, that sort of thing. But you know, there, I think there's something that Spielberg can do. Like he could really give it that, that oomph to, to make it more than it is, 
you know like visual spectacle is what he's all about whether it's something like who framed roger rabbit where you know that's part zemeckis but at the same time it's you know you bring to life animated characters and human beings in the same setting which is what's going on here and then you have something like jurassic park which is not fictional creatures but ancient creatures brought to life once again so if there's anyone who can really make this movie work and give it i guess hidden depths i would say it would be him so i'm yeah. i'm excited but i'm also pensive after finding out that it's not as well received as i thought i'll go i'm shook baby i'm shook <laughs> you're all shook up uh, yeah i I know about the book. I actually have a copy of the book in my house. It came as part of a loot crate deal a while back. That's how I read it too. Um, I never got, honestly, I, I haven't had time to sit down and read a book in forever. So I gave it to my daughter. She read it. She loved it. Um, I, all the geeks in my circle are like, Oh my God, it's the best thing in the world. That's cool. And I heard they're doing the movie and everybody You're lost singing. their mind. <laughs> and uh, I, from the filthy casual standpoint, just a teaser trailer alone. I went, yep, nope, I'll watch that. That looks cool as crap. I'll watch, I recognize the the um, references. You know, I saw the Iron Giant. I can't remember what else was in the thing, but I saw a bunch of different references in the trailer. My wife's like, oh, that looks cool. It's good enough for me. I don't need another trailer. Chris Wisdom. I don't need another trailer. I'm good. <laughs> we don't need another trailer. <laughs> yes. I appreciate the soundtrack. Yeah, of course. Uh... But yeah, I don't know. I mean, this could be a, a huge hit. It could just be, you know, another one that hits theaters and nobody cares about until it's too late and maybe becomes a cult classic. But I like uh, Blade Runner. Yeah. yeah. You know, a, a sleeper, if you will. One that sleeps about 20 years before people start caring. I don't know. I wasn't around when Blade Runner first came out, so I have no idea. How well <laughs> it, was it, it was it was a sleeper. Uh, now, Klotz, Klotz watched this with us on the line right before the show. Klotz seems very, very happy about this trailer. I was just kind of surprised by some of the, like, okay, so the the big thing about this is that it's it's all about pop culture, right? It's yep. literally wall-to-wall pop culture re- references. References. I don't know why I almost said it that way. Probably because... <laughs> I'm contagious. I was so shaken by vignettes. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite form of storytelling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could hear the sorrow in Casey's voice. I just, uh, I'm such an idiot sometimes. <laughs> You're not worth it. Um, but uh, yeah, there's some like really tasty Easter eggs in the trailer. I'm not going to give them away. I'm going to let you go watch and see what you catch. But I was like, what the what? And I had to re like I had to rewind a couple times to see a couple characters in one big group scene and stuff. That I was I was really surprised. And one of the cool things about it is they've added in characters from pop culture references that have happened since the book was published, so that they're, they're you know temporally relevant. You know they're contextually relevant to the to this point in time when the film's going to come out. And that's kind of a cool angle um, that I appreciate. So, how far in the future is this book set? Twenty forty-five. There you go. So, uh, and Chris, did you go and and watch the trailer? 
Of course I went and watched the trailer. Trailers don't scare me. I'm a man. <laughs> I walk into a theater and I can compartmentalize what I saw before I walked in. <laughs> so, uh, so are you excited? Are you ready to shut up and give them your money? I am. Yeah, absolutely. This this movie looks. I I this movie. I'm not looking for any kind of grand Oscar contender script or anything. Like I do. I this movie has me hooked on the pop culture references. And I'm going to say some grand Oscar Schindlers, and I'm like, oh. no. <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm not one that's been introduced to the book or the uh, or the graphic novel. I just I'm gonna I'm gonna go in this on fresh. So yeah. Going in as the average movie-going audience on this one. I mean, if I get a, a mix between Tron and Wreck-It Ralph, I am happy. You know? Yeah. So there. You'll probably get Wreck-It Ralph in it. <laughs> that that'd be kind of cool. Honestly, it was one of my favorite things about Wreck-It Ralph was to watch the backgrounds and pick out all the oh, that's that character, that character, that character. Because I, I mean, I've seen what? What have you seen? I've seen Freddy and Chucky in it, so I, I'm I'm excited to see what other. What other horror movie icons will get in there? And among other things. And I mean, when the guy, main guy's driving the DeLorean around, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Gundam was in there. Oh, yeah, the Gundam. Yeah, in this new, yep, in this new one. Although I was never a big Gundam guy. I was more of a, a Macross dude. But sure. Ah, yeah. It's all about the missile barrage for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the only thing I ever got close to on that was, um, is it Battletech? Was that one of the ones? Yes, yeah, Battletech. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was way above my ability to comprehend at the time that I was exposed to it, and so I've kind of avoided all that stuff. And at the time of that came out, and even the the PC game, you had to use two hands. You had to use a joystick and a keyboard. It's like, nope, I'm done. If I can't just mm-hmm. smash a button, I'm not playing it. Yeah, if it's not an. Hey, look, man, Atari had a joystick and one button. Needed two hands. Okay, that's technically <laughs> true. You're, you're right there. All right, anything else before we kick the break and come back and reminisce about 100 freaking episodes and how we've gotten here so far? Yeah, Just did you guys see the, the poster with how long his leg is? Yeah, I've seen yeah. it all over Facebook. <laughs> People aren't letting that one go. But no. then you got to think, like, it's just a reference to Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> it's got to be, right? If everything's a reference, no. Maybe. Well, but that's supposed to be the real world for him, isn't it? Like where he's climbing up the up and down the towers and the trailer yeah. towers, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. But I did see the. I did see the. I saw somebody actually photoshopped it to even be even longer, to where it's like four or five steps down. <laughs> I I did get to see some news just a minute ago. All right. Uh, talking about the Venom movie. No. Yes, yes. No. Casey, will be excited. You'll be excited. You'll be Why excited because he's confirmed it's going to be the lethal protector storyline. So what? That doesn't so, make it any better. He does make it better because the way they're adapting it, you're going to be five, five symbiotes light. Casey, five symbiotes, five yeah, symbiotes light. I wasn't expecting light. planet of the symbiotes here, man. Well, yeah, but it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's not planet of the symbiotes. Like you're probably not going to see scream, fade, riot, lasher and agony. They're it's gonna, amazing they're, that you remember all the names. Hey man, I played MAA. I know, I know, my, I know my enemies. Oh, um, yeah, I played it too. He's, he's probably he's probably just got one villain he's he's worried about. I mean, he's probably going to come about the same way through the Life Foundation. But you know, your favorite symbiote, Casey, sounds like your favorite symbiote is probably going to be the guy, Don Carnage. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. 
<laughs> Played by John Hamm. Somebody kill me now. <laughs> just, I'm just ready to die. And I could have gone a lifetime without having a symbiote movie. It's either going to be really it's either going to be Jerome from uh, from Gotham, or uh, what's his butt from the uh, what was that Max Keeble, the bully from Max Keeble, right? That uh, he was on uh, Breaking Bad later, the red haired kid that's scared of the frog. Oh, I know that. Yeah. I, I, he yeah, he's kind of got a very plain face. He always plays a straightforward character. Like yeah. like the straight, he's the uh, no sense of humor kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can see him doing it. Jerome, the only thing I've seen him in is, is Gotham, and it was over the top. I didn't care for that. And that's why he would be a great Cletus Cassidy. Probably. They should cast the the kid who plays Ian in Shameless. I haven't really seen Shameless. If you well, first of all, that show is awesome, and you should, totally should. But second, you're American. Uh, actually, I don't know. Well, thank oh, wait, you, you mean the show? The show yeah. is American. I thought no, you meant the actor. Yeah, I mean, which one? Oh, you American. Know this, you know this is another one that we took. It, we stole? Yeah. Uh, yeah, American version. William H. Macy, um, okay. version, yeah. for sure, and yeah. And who? Uh, Ian. Ian. What the actor's name? That is Jerome. It is? That is Jerome. <laughs> oh, that's the only thing I know him from. <laughs> Dude, we're thinking of the same person. Uh, hey, Paulie, you thinking what I'm thinking? Wisdom is we'll be back after the break. That. It's Cameron Monaghan, folks. <laughs> and with that, we'll be back after the break. Stay tuned. And we're back. And now it's just time to light the cigars, pour the scotch, and have a little talk about where we've come from and. I'm going to fire all you guys and replace you with fun people. Like me. <laughs> no, I said you guys. You're, you're sitting what at the table. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the follow up with the, the symbiote from the last segment. Uh, but the uh, worst thing for you, Casey, is you, you talked about how you really, your path to getting to this show and, and you know, how much you like being on here. Part of your job is going to be to watch that film because you know we're going to do a panel about it because it's going to be a big comic what? book. Why, Daddy? That's what we do, man. We we, we watch these things and we talk about them, and and uh, we did the Suicide Squad panel, and you know we can do the, the yeah, uh, but that was panel. Academy Award winning Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> uh that that is technically true. <laughs> so, uh well, for those of you who don't know, and we we covered some of this a little bit last week, and I'm gonna kind of set the stage and let everybody talk about what they want to talk about. Uh, Brian Abbott and I formed a show called From the Helicarrier, which is all about a video game and uh, Marvel Avengers Alliance, which all of us here at the table played uh, back in the day. And Klaus joined us there. We've talked about that path. And at one, at some point in that journey, uh, the the game, we, you know, Klaus was like, you know what? The game's going to sunset. I can see the writing on the wall. And Ibbett and I were like, eh, maybe. And then Ibbett very shortly after was like, no, I agree with Klaus. And I'm like, always the optimist going, no, man, my game's going to play forever. And, of course, it didn't. But there was a point in, in that last year of covering the game that I knew we had something. It was it was after you know Ellie had been on. We talked about that last week with uh, her coming on. Well, we we wanted to talk about these topics and how we really lit up. All three of us lit up talking about this social 
topic in the realm of comics and how it affected society and, and culture. And, but it's this comic book thing. And, and we knew we were onto something. And I was like, you know, I really think we should start a network. And I'm saying this to myself. And I'm like, but Klotz is super busy. And everybody's sure super busy. So I'm not going to say crap. And a few weeks go by. And we have a, a pre-show meeting, Klotz and Ibit and myself. And Klotz and Ibit both had something they wanted to say. And they're doing the, no, you go first, you go first thing. And I, I honestly don't remember who said it first. Uh, I think it might have been Klotz, but one of you two guys was like, we really have something here. The magic's here. Actually, I think it was Ibit, because I think both you and I, Klotz, were going, man, it's, he's way too busy. There's no way we can even suggest building a network with him because he's just maxed out. And so when Ibit's like, we really need to build a network, we're like, holy crap, seriously? <laughs> That's what you had to say today? And thus was born the Giant Size Team Up Network. And with that, the flagship show, Breaking the Panel. And uh, it was Klotz and Ibit and I to start with. And the the guest that Chris talked about was uh, Mike Zapsik. And Chris... You bordered you borderline stalked him, I believe, to help get him on the show. Why don't you tell that story? I called the shop. <laughs> like a bunch. If no, I, recall. I just called the shop like a couple times. <laughs> like, I mean, they weren't they're the I mean, comic book men was probably on what, season two or three at the time? Three, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe three. It was I think they were filming four. Were they filming four? Time. So from our yeah. point of view, it was on three, but they were yeah. It was yeah. It was after they had made the the format switch from being longer form to being shorter, and being a little more uh, very reality TV ish. You know what I mean? Well, after that, that the second season was the bad one, right? I think second season was when they had that producer that came in and wanted it to be more like uh, Pawn Stars or some shit, and they they yeah. didn't want to do that, and they went through that whole. Oh, thing. okay. So maybe, maybe, maybe they were filming season three then. No, yeah. In any case, yeah, no, they're, uh, they were a couple seasons in, um, you know, had had some success, obviously. Um, a lot more exposure for all those guys. Go go ahead, Chris. Sorry, I'm not trying to. No, 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 you're fine. And so I was trying to get, I was trying to get Walt at least. And then, you know, um, if, if I could get Brian, cause I, I, I wanted to try and get you guys a Steve Dave pairing and then, you know obviously try and work that as a, a baby step to Kevin. Um, Mike's the only one that came on when they, uh, when they called to be on the show. So that's how that okay. works. <laughs> so I'm going to tell this story cause it's been two years and I think it's fine. Statute of limitations being what they are. <laughs> oh, no. so, so, so Chris was instrumental in setting up this contact and um so we called the store and we, we set up a conference call of all of us, you know, so Charles was taking point on the call because he's our point guy, right? Yeah. I have no he, fear. So I'll go talk to anybody. Right. He has no fear. He's, he's the bluster, the bravado, all of that. And it, we each have our strengths, uh, you know, in the network and on the show and we play to him as much as we can, you know, so we really try to line up behind somebody when they're going at it from their, you know, their best strengths. And so he, Charles is going to take point on it. And so the rest of us are all muted on the call and everything. And so we call the stash at the time that was prearranged. And uh, I forget who answered. 
Um, but ultimately they like they I think Mike might have answered. I think and it was he, Mike, yeah. Yeah, he goes to get Walt. <laughs> Walt's so, like hell no. <laughs> well no, 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 but that's that's the thing. So so we're we're talking to Walt and you know, because Chris had kind of talked to him about it already. And so you could just tell that Walt wasn't feeling it, like by the, his kind of tone and everything. And if you watch comic book men, y- y- you, you don't know these guys, but you do, you know what I mean? Like, cause they're, they're not playing characters on comic book men. They're, they're, they're themselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you see like, like we're, I we're listening and I'm just like, Oh man, Walt, Walt doesn't, he's not feeling it. And, oh, and right before that, even more, even funnier. Mike was blowing us off a little bit by being like, oh, he's not here. He'll be back later yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and then background, right? Then he sets the phone down to talk to Walt. That's right. I'm remembering more yeah, correctly. Yeah, now. Yeah. He said, like, we don't ever talk to Walt, actually, now that I think about it. It's Mike was talking to us. He's like, oh, let me go see if he's around. He's like, oh, he'll be back later. He's out right now. And then he's like, uh, oh, yeah, hold on a second. And he sets the phone down. You can tell. And he's talking to Mike or, or Mike is t- talking to Walt. And Walt's like, yeah, man, I just I don't you can do it if you want. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing my ass off. Because it's such a classic, like, you know, like sitcom thing or like, you know, stupid comedy. You can see it like, happening to George Costanza. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm just like, and, and to, to be clear, if, if Mike or anybody who knows those guys is listening to this by some weird chance, uh, we're so grateful that Mike came on the show yeah. because mm-hmm. it, we were nothing at that. It, I mean, that was literally like episode five six. or something like episode that. Six. six. Episode six. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, so it was a huge break for us as far as getting somebody who means something to the fandom in our guest seat. You know what I mean? And it was our first chance at it and everything. And we took it very seriously. Like we had a good time. We still did breaking the panel. And what was great about it is he originally agreed to like 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he thought it was just going to be an in and out. You know what I mean? He ended up staying for pretty much the whole show. Like he by his own choice. Yeah. Yeah, by his own, and we had a good conversation, a really good organic conversation. Um, but it, I'll never forget, and I'll probably end up telling this story forever. I'll never forget him putting the phone down and talking <laughs> to Walt, and we can hear them like we're just standing next to them. You know what I mean? Clear yeah. as day. Yeah. Uh, and then, and and what's what's funny is is. There's some truth in jokes, right? I do screw a lot of things up. I, I say a lot of stuff, and I don't care. I laugh at it. It's fine. It's fun. Uh, but I, I know my business when it's my business. And what was funny is I really wanted just Kevin Smith. I, I didn't care about the other guys. I'd watch them. They were cool. They were fine. So I didn't have this nervous thing going on. And I know, you know, Klotz was immediately going, and this is a big deal. And Abbott was kind of saying that. And then we go to start the show and, and we, we do a little prep with Mike and we get it ready. And Abbott is starting the show, right? You remember this, Klotz? And it goes, on today's breaking the panel, we have Zyke Baptic. <laughs> <laughs> or is that Mike sick or something like that? And we just bust out laughing. And Mike's like, "Nope, nope, you leave that in. You leave, if you don't leave that in, I am suing." And that's the opening. That's the cold open to the show. Is that exact bit? And yeah. it was, and he was so cool. And like you said, he 
he rolled with the conversation. I think at one point, maybe twice during the show, because I do, I give the the guests an out. I always give them an out because I want to respect their time. And thank you for coming on. Blah, blah. I said, hey, man, we're about to do this. If you got to go, we understand. And he kept re-upping and he stayed for a good hour and a half with this on a yeah. cell phone at his house in his car. He's waiting to go inside the house. Uh, so and we had fun, man. Yeah. That was a good conversation. Yeah, and Chris didn't get to be a part of it for. I think you were at work when it came when when the mm-hmm. the lineup came down. You couldn't get off or something. I don't remember. Um, that was that was fun, and uh, we've done a lot of other cool stuff. We've been to Dragon Con uh, this year, and uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other milestones. Um, well, I mean, yeah. So we talked about it a little bit last week, but that that Chris going out. And basically going to bat for us and like running this down was a big step. You know, it got us our first big interview. And so that that started to bring Chris into the fold with us a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, where it was like, all right, so this guy's really looking out for us and trying to help us grow and everything. And so it wasn't much longer after that because it, it was later that year that he joined us mm-hmm. after doing the uh, the. um Star Wars uh, it was episode seven panel. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to take a little side note here. You know, here we are. This is episode 100. We're yeah. very proud of this show and the work that we've put into it. And it, we're, we're proud of all of it. Even even the, the snafus. <laughs> we already do that with the straight face this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, all the ups and downs. Because... Um, what we try to capture here is that same vibe that you get when you go to a comic shop and you're standing at the counter and you're shooting the shit with the guy behind the counter and the other guys in line waiting to pick up their pulls for the week or whatever. And you just get into one of those conversations and, you know, whatever's going on in the fandom or whatever. And Chris is the embodiment of that heart and soul, that spirit. He's the spirit of the comic shop for our show but also the network you know what i mean and so that was such an integral moment into shaping this show in particular um sadly it ultimately led to to brian you know switching out because it's just you know for for anybody who was listening in the early days and has missed his presence this what we do here this this round table just kind of shooting the shit thing it just isn't really the way he likes to do things Right. which is not a slam or anything. It's no, just, it's he's, he's a very structured guy. Um, but we knew that it was, that there was magic here, you know, that this was fun. Like we enjoy doing the show. Like we look forward to it. Every, well, most weeks uh, <laughs> we, we were all a little sleepy time when we walked into tonight, for example, uh, we're recording this late on a Sunday night, by the way. Yeah. Um, that's, that's my excuse for being stupid. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm um, very tired. But yeah, no, uh, Chris was just such a in in an integral moment, like you know, joining, coming into the fold, becoming like this this monkey on our back as to where we were going with things, and I do mean it. Like you it are really a is a monkey, tedious <laughs> monkey. Uh, but no, and and at times where maybe we've started to drift in one direction or another, Chris is always been there to, you know, help us write the ship and be very laser focused on keeping that vibe. You know what I mean? And so I wanted to thank you, Chris, because I mean that everything that you did for us in those early days 
and ultimately became us, you know what I mean, with a capital U. Mm-hmm. It's so important, and I'm appreciative. And I think it's this is a really important moment since it's episode 100, and, and this is your last regular episode for the time being, and you're going to be gone for your extended hiatus. Um, I don't know that we'd still be sitting here recording episode 100 if it wasn't for you know that early contribution. Well, I, I just want to that. throw it out there. I appreciate yeah. it, man. Like I just you know from listening to you guys on uh, from the Helicarrier, I always the, the chemistry you guys had is undeniable. On uh, you, you guys were always better when the three of you were on versus the times that, that Brian and uh, and Charles, right? Yeah, yeah Charles. That's right. <laughs> that's how that feels. Um, I wasn't listening. When, I'm sorry. Did you say something? <laughs> when when they were when they were on alone, um, so it was nice. It was nice getting this uh this other avenue to listen to you guys talk and 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 uh get heavy about situation about certain stories that needed to and just have the levity where it was called for um you know you guys have great great chemistry that's fun to, for the, the fans and listeners to hear and interact with even on that even even though most of the time it's just back in the day it was just me screaming at, at, my, <laughs> at my at my car radio or my car stereo as, as charles was screwing up something or what have you or maybe agreeing with with paul a little too vehemently on charles why don't you understand how absolutely broken the the cause the the cube was and that 20 percent <laughs> like 20 percent is already big and then the fact that it was actually more than 20 percent proc rate anyway but i digress you stick to your guns charles it's not that big <laughs> i stick to math man math turns the universe it's all the same um but no so it, it was it was too easy for me to jump in wholeheartedly and give you guys whatever support i could because i wanted to see this thing succeed um you know just the same as as frank used to do uh with uh, art pieces back in the day on fth yeah. and like that. so um i mean you guys had you guys had something there that was tangible that i just wanted to see continue and i think that's what i'll you know the the best fans want for the, for the show is to do what they can to help it succeed. And that was, that was a place I was coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting about that is uh, Chris is often like our trailblazer behind the scenes, especially for the network. Uh, he scouted out botched, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is a show that has, I is really enriched the network. Um, and really, you know, honestly, th- them joining the fold a- around a year ago, they kind of changed our internal culture a little bit, um, which you hopefully you've seen, you know, fans at home, you've seen when you've listened to our panels because and they're at the front of the line every time we we post when we're recording, you know, various movie panels and Phil and Dennis are like hands up like they're they're right there in the front of the line every time. Um, and they continuously give 110%, you know, to being members of the network and, you know, the, the cross play between various shows and showing up on the panels and all this other stuff. Like they're always looking to play and they're always giving it all and they're, they're hilarious. And that's just another example of what makes Chris great because, we they wouldn't be here and and we wouldn't have had all the fun we've had over the last year with them if not for chris sniffing them out and being like hey i'll be honest we were reluctant like charles and i were like whatever and and like what he's like hey i found this D podcast that these guys uh appalachia blah 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 
and we're, I was just like, yeah, okay, there's like a million D&D podcasts. Who gives a shit? Just like there's a million comic and phantom <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> but um, no, it was, uh, it, it, that was another key moment. And uh, yeah, it, it's just, it speaks to, uh, I'm going to harp a little bit here. It speaks to the power of community. Uh, one of the things that's awesome about what we talk about week after week is this, this community we care about, this, the fandom, you know, people who are into this nerdy crap that we all are and how it brings us together and it's just it's one of the most exciting things that week after week i get to sit down with some really cool dudes and have some legit conversations (laughs) (laughs) and uh so yeah i mean i i'm ranting a little bit but i just wanted to throw that out there that you know uh if you're out if you're at home and you've ever thought about making a podcast like, you know, like eh, there's a million of them. Out there. First of all, who cares? Just do it. And you, you'll get this advice. If you go to Dragon Con, if you go to the podcast track at Jag- Dragon Con, you meet any of us, you meet people, people who are huge. Like I, I saw panels when we were at Dragon Con with big names in podcasting people who are not just podcasting people. They are entertainment people in general. You know, they, maybe they have TV shows or successful YouTube channels or whatever. They're all going to tell you the same thing. They're going to say, get out. If you have the idea, if you have the itch, just do it. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. It'll probably suck at least for a little while until you, you find your groove. Um, But that's how we got here. You know what I mean? All of us, like, you know, Chris, Chris threw a big lob out there. I threw a big lob out there to get on FTH. Uh, Casey, you know, we we out of nowhere invited Casey to to come guest a while back, and he was great. I was as and surprised as anyone how great I was. <laughs> it, you know what's funny about it, Casey? And it, we've told you this privately, but like to put it out there publicly, we really enjoyed your when you came on. And so, like, whenever we had a gap in the schedule where like one of us couldn't make it. It was immediately like, should we grab Casey? Can we should we see if he's busy? And most because of the time it was no. But <laughs> most of the time I was like, let's try yes. Travis. Most of it was like, let's try Travis. And then Travis was busy, and then we go to Casey. Yeah. Right. Well, you know what and, they say in podcasting, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. <laughs> well, now now you can't leave. Um yeah. but yeah, so community is everything, man. Like it, I'm just so stoked about all of this like you know everything i can't believe we did a hundred episodes i mean charles for you we talked about this a bit at dragon con yeah how do you feel about episode 100 for this show did you ever see us getting here oh yeah I, from i wouldn't have done i wouldn't have kicked this off or worked as hard as we did together to kick this off if i didn't think we had it in the long run because i've had i've had Hobby shows that go nowhere, uh, or McGird, you know, being one that's just passion project. I've had, uh, my history of podcasting is shows that have done okay, or some of them were horrible and they failed. Some were okay. Did some did well for themselves and grew and, and did other things. I moved on and did other stuff. Uh, this one, I don't know. I never, I've never had a doubt once, once mm-hmm. you and Ibit and I all came to the table and said network and show, I just knew it it'd be the right thing. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm the one who always thinks everything's going to last forever. <laughs> so I, you know, 
Thanks, MAA, for nothing, asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, for just to, to circle back to the, I mean, the fact that we all really got here from, from the Helicarrier and MAA, mm. that game started, what, in 2012 as a, sort of like a, not a cheap tie-in game to the Avengers movie, but like, I don't know if anybody ever thought it was going to be anything more than that. Yeah. And totally. it lasted for four years. Yeah, no, that comic it's book storylines and everything they, they've talked about that. i remember uh woods talked about it back in the day he said no the original intent was for the game to be a, a promotion for the film and to be around for a few months and then just go away after the f- movie had been out yeah and they got so many people like so many players that they couldn't you know what i mean so they immediately had to reevaluate that which kind of speaks to like like the this this show because we were doing fth you know and collectively we really hit our stride with the three of us and we couldn't jam everything that we were doing week after week into our normal show and so we had to adapt to the changing environment and also part of that too was some of the hardcore game focused people who are our fans were like we don't care what you think about the stupid movies and stuff yeah Sorry, I had to put on a voice there. <laughs> no, uh, that's funny too, because last week when you mentioned how this started, you're like, "Yeah, well, you know, we talked about stuff, and everybody hated it." So we figured, "Wow, we've got something here." <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was it well, was just like a weird juxtaposition, and I'm like, "Wow, why would you? What?" <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned that though, because that was the conversation that we had. Uh, I brought it up with Brian and and uh, Charles. I recall I was like, "Listen, here's the thing." This game's not going to last forever. And a lot of the people that are here for From the Helicarrier are strictly here for game news, basically. Like, they just want to hear people talk about the game they play every day. And they want that sense of community that's very pin, you know, laser focused on that game that they play every day. And that's all they really care about. They don't care about us. Like, they find us entertaining. And I, you know what I mean? Like, they'll say that. But I mean, we're cute and all, but. <laughs> right. But they're here for the information and the content based on the game itself. So that's why I was like, we should spin this off and see what we can do with it. And some people have stayed with us. Like, I, if you're here from the FTH days and you're listening to this, thank you. We, yeah. we appreciate you. We love you. You're part of that, you know, OG FTH family, the Agents Only Lounge. If, you, if you're in the Agents Only Lounge, you know you're old school. Um. It's people like you who stuck with us. We we cannot, you cannot buy loyalty and support like that. You literally can't. Um, and we appreciate that. But most of those people, you know, drifted off into the wind. It just, which is fine. You know, that's the nature of the beast. Um, but here we are. And to talk about the FTH days, you know, Chris, you mentioned earlier, Frank mm-hmm. used to do all this stuff for the show. Frank has a show on the network now mm-hmm. yep. to, to speak back to what I was talking about earlier. If you have an idea, just go at it. And the funny thing about that is he talks to us on a regular basis and like they started like he and his friends in Australia started this toy podcast kind of on their own. And it was never a thing where they were like, you know, like right up our butt or anything about getting on the network and you know, any of that. They just did it on their own and then we were like wait you got a you got a toy podcast come here yeah come, come here. <laughs> and we put our sleazy arm around him and we said 
come home, <laughs> join the family. <laughs> uh, you know, and so that's the whole thing too, is like four years ago, Frank was making us things to, to give away to our patrons. And, you know, now he's a podcaster and he's a podcaster on the network. You never know where things are going to go, you know? So it, it's a lot of it's about who you sur- surround yourself with and your passion. And I, I'm always stoked about that. Like that's my, one of my favorite things about what we do is just where people yeah. are now because of all of it. Yeah. I, I personally, and you heard it here first. We made toy power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, I, I, Wait, hold on. We can't talk too much trash on them because apparently I'm the next guest on their show. So <laughs> what? They picked you over me. That makes sense. <laughs> what do you mean that makes sense? Yeah. Uh, Get in line. Oh. <laughs> uh, as far as work goes, with the work I put into podcasting and, and the media creation and everything I do, I rarely consider the show work. You know, I. Even on the most down days, the most tired of places that I get to, I there was a, actually about this time last year, there's a period of time where I didn't want to do crap. And we'd sit down and I, I internally, I'd be like, I've got so much to deal with and so much going on. This feels like a waste of time. And you flip on the microphone and it was the best waste of time I ever had. It took my mind off of the crap going on in my life. It was, it was just sitting with awesome people talking about fun stuff. And I always felt better every time after doing this. And I've, I felt that way pretty much every day since we started doing this show. You know, it's, it's, it's the easy. It's, it is, it's not just the easy. It's, uh, it's worth getting here for. Mm-hmm. And I felt There's like, a- go ahead, sir. No, yeah, no, I was just going to say, there's a lot of times when like, so we occasionally have to record late for various reasons. We're trying to accommodate everybody's schedules and everything, which is tough. Cause you know, it's tough on yeah. Chris. Cause Chris is a really early to rise kind of guy because of his uh, professional life and early to finish. Yeah. I mean, it'd be crazy <laughs> to record something like this at nine o'clock on a Sunday. Right. right. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of times where like, I'm like, I'm dragging a bit and I'm a little tired and then I sit down and within 30 seconds to a minute of just being in chat with, with these guys sitting here, all three of them, I'm jazzed. Like my battery's recharged. I'm ready to go. You know, I'm ready to very quietly and under with very much understatement, except uh, Charles's soft pitches <laughs> in the intro, <laughs> and just you know never disappoint by never being very enthused by them. Uh, no, but yeah, I, I you mean, gotta set that bar real low, man. Yeah, but that's the whole thing. Is like once I sit down here, I'm like, I and it. You know what amazes me about this? So our formatting is pretty simple for the show. We have a document that we throw articles into, and sometimes we have articles in there days ahead of time, and sometimes we spend the first 20 minutes of our recording time that we've blocked out uh, looking for articles to talk about or or news items or whatever. And it's completely democratic where we just go and grab things and throw them on the table. Very rarely do we throw anything out like that. We're just not going to talk about like sometimes for time constraints, we're like, all right, well, we'll save it for next week or whatever. But there's never, as far as I can recall, we've literally never vetoed a topic that somebody else brought to the table, whether it be any of the core 
hosts or any of our guests. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's pretty remarkable. You know what I mean? Like that, that we can have, you know, usually three, but now four people with completely different, you know, not completely different interests, but different personalities, different interests, things that we really care about within the fandom, like the things that matter specifically to us bring it to the table and still have great conversations week after week. I'm really proud of that. And um, it, it's just, it's something that really jazzes me up, man. Well, even though you guys haven't voided any ideas, was there ever anything that as a group you wanted to do on the show and have yet to get around to doing or going mm. an episode without talking about BVS perhaps <laughs> we did. Like- yeah. That's been a little, <laughs> Yeah, that, that was a lofty goal that we accomplished yeah. for a couple of episodes, but uh, I, um, I don't. Yeah, go ahead, Charles. So. I, I I don't think so. I mean, I think we've always gotten to what we wanted to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I I think a lot of times what it is is we a new opportunity or a new topic or something opens up, and we just we slide into it. You know what I mean? We just we get in that groove and we go so after slide it. Slide right into those DMs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, girl. Get it. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris, Clots uh, and I have gone on. We've waxed poetic, if you will, about their, our happy memories. What's one of the what's one of your favorite moments uh, that comes to mind when you think about the history of the show? Oh, well, I mean, it's it, it's got to be Travis's mom calling into the show. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. It, it was bad, good. but it was so well done, and like <laughs> the, and I played it right because I didn't give you guys any warning it was going to happen. I just no. made sure all I had to do was make sure that Charles checked to see if we had any email, and the rest happened as naturally as one could have hoped. <laughs> oh, is is Chris patting himself on the back? It must be a day that ends in Y. <laughs> yeah. You know, he does, I, you know, I cannot argue with that. I cannot argue with that. That was that was freaking epic, and and I'm just the playback. Like if you go back, it doesn't matter how many times in a row you listen to that. The playback of of that thing getting played, and the the laugh, and like the oh my god reactions from you and Brian and Paul. It just, it I cordless. do I do distinctly recall laughing so hard I was crying, <laughs> and like yeah. having to mute myself a couple times because I just knew it was like it was bad. That was literally one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. It was, I'm looking in my email now to see if I can find it because I, I would love to play it again. I will uh, say this, though. Oh not God. even remotely appropriate, but it was yeah. funny as hell. Um, yeah, no, that was that, just... That will uh, have to make the clip show at the end of the year. That, that, that us listening to it has to make the clip show at the end of the year. It, and some some inside baseball about that too. We didn't talk to Travis for like two weeks after that because he was just really busy. Oh, okay. So, like, yeah, go ahead. I got I got some more inside baseball, but go ahead. Oh yeah, well, I was just I was gonna say. So we we're just kind of waiting for him to get a crack at that and to hear it. And it it was like a little bit like giddy anticipation. Like I can't wait for him to hear it. And the other part of it was like. Oh, I can totally wait. We're for dead. Here. We're dead. Because <laughs> for those of you at home who don't know, the Blazing Defender, Travis Jones, is a brawny fella. Not not as big as he looks on TV. 
He's allegedly large, according to these yeah. guys, which is but very is, disheartening. For me, his sidekick, the Torch Wonder. He he <laughs> is a swole bro, though. And so it, it's it's healthy to respect that. Uh, but yeah, no, he took it like a champ, man. Like he he laughed a lot and just uh, and just rolled with it, which is great. Yeah, well, yeah, and that, so that that was the thing is we knew him, but it wasn't one of those things where we had, had broken bread together or taught at length curling each other's hair or anything like that. So, you know, yeah, you know, the classic things you do when you're yeah, on a podcast, you know, so you have to get to know each other, right? And, and so I'm sitting here as a producer and, you know, I'm I'm the one who really makes sure everybody more or less gets along. I mean, now everybody's a family. Everybody's talking to each other. But especially in the early days, it wasn't intentionally segregated. It was just naturally segregated. So I'm like connecting the dots and getting people here and there and all that jazz. And this email comes in with this phone call. I was like, all right. And I load it up. And it's Travis's mom. And it just, it, it gets bad. Again, it'll be in the clip show, uh, episode 101. Actually, we're just going to call it the end of the year clip show and start 101 in the new year. But Whatever it's it'll be there, and it's just going. And I'm laughing and I'm laughing, and about ten minutes after you, the euphoria of just how much <laughs> laughter we had of this, the euphoria fades. I'm like, oh shit! Some people are really sensitive about mom jokes, and I don't know if he is or not. And he's in the south, and a lot of southerners are really sensitive about mom jokes, and it it went there. I mean, it went everywhere you could think it went. It went, and so. We get off the show. And I don't say anything to the guys about being worried about it because I don't want to set them off because it's still kind of early-ish days of us really getting to know each other. Nowadays, we could all discuss it and they'd be like, yeah, whatever, we'll figure it out. Yeah, and you want to look cool in front of your new friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm like, all right. So I immediately text Travis and like, hey, man, give me a call when you can. And I know we're in the production cycle, which is about two days. Uh, typically is the production cycle from recording to when it gets produced or gets published rather. And so he's not calling me back. And I call him the next day. I'm like, Travis, seriously, man, I need to talk to you before the show comes out on Saturday. You know, you, I really want to talk to you before you, you hear this thing. <laughs> Nothing. Third day you were about to publish. I'm like, Travis, seriously, dude, <laughs> F and call me because <laughs> I'm I'm freaking out about you're not talking to me. I don't know what's going on. You've gone right. Well, it turned out he's on freaking vacation, like Barbados or Jamaica or something. It didn't have his phone on. Right. Uh, so he gets back and he calls like, oh, my God, what's going on? Because <laughs> I left like a dozen messages like, please don't kill us. You're really need, I need to talk to you about this joke. You've got to be prepared. And so he actually listened before he called me. So he he led me on a little bit, like he's pissed off, but then he he laughed it off. But I was as a businessman, I'm going, this could be an issue, right? I mean, we could have crossed a line that we don't know about, and I just wanted to. It's different when you kind of know something's coming versus. Da, 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 I can't believe they did that, and yeah, it, it it obviously all worked out fine. But I, I was I was making diamonds for a little bit, expressing <laughs> about that, you know, about how it was going to play out and. He kind of knew it was coming because I think I it might have been the day that we recorded that episode like beforehand or it might have been afterwards. I sent him a, a Facebook message like, hey, Travis, you know, I love you, right? That was his warning. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Now I want to I want to throw speaking of voicemails. Uh, here here comes one. Hello. 
This is oh, Phil from Botched, a D&D podcast. I just wanted to say congrats on you guys making it to 100 episodes. All your hard work and passion for the show have really shined over these few years, and here's to 100 more. Some of my favorite memories are when Charles went to Chicago and made the best of an awful situation at Pokemon Go Fest. He found the true meaning of Pokemon Go, and the community is always more important than logging in for that sweet-ass swag. Also, a more <laughs> recent episode when Brian pitched Marvel Go, where you go around and take pictures of heroes and villains all around your town, that was awesome! And who could forget about Joe? Well, anyway, congrats to Pokemon Go for 100 star <laughs> dust fill. <laughs> what are you. What are you <laughs> Breaking the panel? No. no. A 100 episodes? They got canceled. No, they didn't. Who would keep these <laughs> Who keeps doing <laughs> No, I'm not giving them. <laughs> they're not giving congrats for me. Ah, <laughs> them. No, no, no. What's this? Now I'm not gonna read this. Very Jesus. <laughs> I, Philip Daniel Keating, a sound body of mine, read this letter on my own accord and not by gunpoint by someone who strangely sounds like an adult from the Peanuts. <laughs> Holy sh! All right, what can I say about breaking the panel that hasn't been said before? I like you guys. <laughs> Or, hey, you guys make a good show. <laughs> there. Um, in all seriousness, though, you three have such great chemistry. And now that Casey's on, the, f- I mean, it, it feels like he's been on since the beginning because the four of you work so well together. Every time I am on the show, it's an honor. Um, if it's not for a panel show or being on with Audrey Kearns, it, I, I always have a blast with you guys. Um, at Dragon Con, oh man, Dragon Con was fantastic. Mm. Um, I was there for what a day and a half, and it felt like yeah. I was there the entire week. This is not a network. This is not a community. This is a family, and everybody here in in the Giant Size Team Up Network means so much to me. I'm so glad that I I couldn't have a better bunch of people stalk me and plead for me to come <laughs> onto this network. I thank you. Here's to a hundred cliche more statements and. Uh, Thanks again, guys. Uh, Patreon.com slash botch podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Is that good enough for you, dick brains? <laughs> huh? Gonna make myself lie on the internet? <laughs> well. Ah, uh, Phil. I was trying to make sure it's actually done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ah, that that was good, man. Uh, uh, that was awesome. And Casey, you know, you're gonna get to play at Dragon Con this year, and it is it's it's more than an event. It is it is something different, that's for sure. For Dragon Con is literally a world unto itself, mm-hmm. an it's age supposed- undreamed of. By Crom, I've never been more excited for anything in my life. Crom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've got some more, but I wanted to throw out a few numbers here, actually. Uh, botched podcast. We approached them. Uh, we signed the deal probably a little bit after November, but as of November of 16 is when we, when we approached botched. So right out of year, they've been, been here mm-hmm. playing with us and, and doing well. And like you said, Casey, uh, they're the bees knees, man. Anytime we put up a panel, they're there and wanting to play and, and be a part. He didn't! 
didn't say that. I said that. Yeah, Paul said it. The guy who's only listened to five episodes. I hate you. Just, I'm so done with this. I've been here a couple of weeks and I've already listened to like I don't know, thirty-seven. So, oh, not to toot my own horn or anything, but who's the real fan? Just wait. <laughs> hey, Chris, did they send you a T-shirt yet? I just got mine the other day. Yeah, no, of course they haven't. <laughs> uh, Hashtag be fatter, Chris. <laughs> yeah, uh, and just wait for 2017, where everything Paul says will be attributed to Chris, who will be away. It is 2017. <laughs> oh my god! The more things change, the more they you stay. Say I'm gonna fly this ship into the sun. <laughs> Good luck with that. All right, here's here's another moment. Hello, this is Dennis Robinson from Botch Podcast and the Giant Size Team Up Network. Uh, I wanted to congratulate. Breaking the panel for making 100 episodes. However, my lawyer, Jack Mehoff from the Freedom United Calculated <laughs> Kenyan law firm of Young, Ollivander, and Ulysses has informed me that it would be best due to a pending lawsuit with breaking the panel that I keep my descriptions of the show as law-abiding as possible. So I will say that breaking the panel is a fine show for humans, and it is a... Wondrous event that it's made it a hundred episodes and not surprising in any way, shape, or form. Congratulations <laughs> to now four of you. So keep up the great work. <laughs> I think I think Dennis and uh, Phil are jealous of you, Casey. Uh, maybe. I mean. Listen, you know, you, you come in to fill that fourth chair, man. You never know what you're getting into. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, I hadn't really run it by Charles or Casey yet, but uh, and we haven't inked a deal, but I did extend a invitation to Phil to fill our fourth seat for January. <gasps> but I haven't heard back yet. <laughs> so, really? This comes as no surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I see what's um, going on. I see you do like 20 other shows with him. You think you can just take over this one and bring him on. I see how it is. Well, I mean, I often have shown up for this show with mysterious guests that I didn't know were going to be there that week. So, <laughs> yeah. How's that taste, sucker? <laughs> it, finally, uh, no, it, it tastes finally good to have you do one damn thing for the show, Klaus. I appreciate oh, my that. God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey Chris! Hmm. Chris, you remember that time when Casey invited Phil onto the show for January? Yeah. <laughs> Chris is just delighted uh, yeah. to not have his entire being absorbed into the presence of Casey like it had been for the last few weeks. So uh, he's just eating up this uh, turnabout. In fair play. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, anyways. Uh, so one of the things that we were looking to do um, in the coming months when Chris is away is to fill that four seat with guests. And one of the ideas we were throwing around for a while was to invite people for basically a short commitment of, you know, X number of episodes or whatever. Um, but we hadn't really nailed anything down yet. So I did invite Phil 
and or Dennis. Um, not together though. No, 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 screw them. Love those guys, but they can't, they have to be separate if they're gonna play at the table. But there's a there's a pretty good chance one of the guys from Botch will will join us for uh, some number of episodes in January, and then you know. From there forward, we're gonna we're gonna do our best to get some of the other personalities from the network, some of our friends from off the network. Uh, you know, because people on the street. Yeah, because you know the thing is, we'll take any riffraff as a parent by Casey. <laughs> yeah. I'm a I'm a street urchin. I was running with a four man wolf pack. He'll stab a stranger with a knife for you. Yeah, that's an old <laughs> SNL reference for those keeping track at home uh yeah anyway so uh if you if you're one of those said friends of the show hashtag the alleged hashtag friends of the show hashtag <laughs> trademark charles mcfall um hashtag dragon 2017 if you're a friend of the show and you heard that and you're interested hey throw us a line you know it's gonna be a long year without any wisdom <laughs> yeah Here, and here's the thing about the hashtag friend of the show if you make it into that hashtag, you pretty much never listen to the show. Yeah, I can't <laughs> tell you. I, I love him to death. Brad Willis, one of my good friends from childhood, man. I think I was 14 when I met him. Uh, he's been uh, doing some podcasting stuff over the years, and we've circled in and out of each other's lives. And and we're talking, uh, We, we I guessed it on a show uh, a couple months ago now. And I was asking him because we're coming up to 100 and I knew I could reach out to us like, hey, do you listen to the show? It's like, well, I've been meaning to like, no, I'm not putting you on the spot. I just knew you would write something, uh, but he's he's listening now. So, <laughs> no. uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing is, is that's life, man. The people who are your friends, you know, Dunaway, me and him are tight as hell, man. I don't think he's ever listened to a single episode I've ever done. Anything, uh, and it's it's fine. It's the way it goes. But yeah, we'll get we'll get some. We'll actually probably have a Frog Pants month where we have different people from Frog Pants Studios on. I know Scott Johnson's agreed uh, when we can work out the schedule that he'd love to come on and hang with us, and uh, Tom Merritt and uh, Dunaway, and of course Ibbett, the the ever lovable Brian Ibbett. We can probably get him to come back for an episode. Of uh, we have to do it all NPR though. Like today on breaking the panel, we're gonna bring you some news. Of cool stuff. So, just to keep it white bread for us. We're all about cool news and imitating Ira Glass. <laughs> uh, here is one. Now, uh, guys, help me out. I mean, Chris and, and Klaus, uh, not to really throw you under the bus, Casey, but uh, from the days of FDH, was Christopher King, he was one of, he, he we met him through there, right? From the Helicarrier? Does that name ring a bell? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he, I think he's one of our old school guys. I'm pretty sure that's where I, I connected with him. He has sent in a voice message. Oh, nice. Hey, guys. Agent Fleming here. Yes. To say congratulations on 100 episodes. A heck of an accomplishment. You guys should feel pretty good. I enjoy listening to you guys all the time. I may not write as much as I'd like to, but I am always listening. Uh, keep it up. I look forward to another 100 episodes. Agent Fleming, FDH, retired. Signing out. Awesome, man. That that's I, I do I do love it when um that carries through right when somebody grabs you uh, one project you're working on and and they they carry on through and and thank you man it's it's awesome uh I was doing some numbers 
Because you were asking about it, hitting show 100 and how it feels. And actually, I want to throw, before I do that, I want to throw back at what is uh, numbers? Chris. Is that like Coke? I don't, what is, what is numbers? <laughs> you celebrate, you celebrate our hundredth episode by doing numbers. I don't get it. I, you know what? I love you anyway, man. I was about to make a mean joke at your expense. And I said, nope, I'm not going to do that. Too. Why would you stop? Why would you? Yeah. <laughs> and that is why you lose. Because it's too real now. It's too it's real. Too real. <laughs> uh, but, and I know literally, if you wanted to measure by literalness, you haven't been on the shows for a hundred episodes, Chris, but you were really, what was that? I bet I have. Yeah, if you count the panels. Yeah, you know what? If you count the panels, yeah. you might have. Yeah. Uh, but I was just saying, for sure, you're you're instrumental in a lot of stuff I'm going to talk about with FDH here in a minute. But how does so it feel to you? He wants to take this milestone away from you, but go on, go on. I'm not trying to. I'm trying to say no. It is your milestone, asshole. Case, okay, so go sit in the corner. Go All sit right. in the corner like a good clot. Go, Chris. <laughs> oh. How does it feel to you to hit this kind of milestone, man? It's it's awesome. Like I did, never thought that. If anything, I thought that I was going to sink you guys in less than ten from the. <laughs> so you know, if I got on on episode ten, then I was thinking life expectancy was episode twenty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I never stop, man. Until they shut me down, it's just it's my thing, and that's what I was counting up. Of all official episodes that I've ever done, that that I'm counting is a produced show where I had an opening and a closing. And it was something I drove or, or was a part of, not guest appearances or anything like that. I believe I have hit 1,013 episodes in my lifetime. Whoa. Wow. Man, you're some kind of rock star of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's all different projects. It's, it's, that's probably over about eight different podcasts uh, that I've created or been a part of. But Brian Ibbett, man. You know, to give props, he is our partner and Giant Size team up, and he helped found the show. And uh, he did leave for family reasons and other stuff going on. I mean, we do talk about that. It wasn't his style. We were real when Chris came on. We really felt this. What we have now, this camaraderie of punch a little bit and laugh and hug and have a, just a great time. I want to come back every week and, and give that experience. Uh, but there were some family issues that he talked about openly on his other shows. But his show Coverville. I think they're at uh, 1,200 episodes of just that one show. Mm. Uh, yeah, he's he's the man that I want to be one day when I grow up, <laughs> uh, for sure. But talking about Chris Wisdom, so he, he it is too real, man. You're, you're you're leaving, and you're leaving for really bad reasons, in my opinion, because <laughs> your day job is taking you away, and, and there's nothing you can do about it, and we hate it. But I remember – when you came across our, our radar back in from the helicarrier days where you were sending in emails and I mean, throughout that entire show, he was always somebody we could count on to respond and say, you know, commentary and have fun. And, and he'd be in the chat room sometimes saying stuff if it was, if it was work aloud. And, and that we talked about it uh, recently about the memo you made and, <laughs> and it, it looked great. And, and that just cemented some things. Uh, but I alluded to this story last week, and so I'd tell it this week, of there would be no giant size team up, really. It feels like without Chris Wisdom. Because you know, all along, he was you know, doing the, the emails and the feedback. And that, I got to tell you, as a creator, that is something special. I mean, everybody always has a special place in my heart that, that 
emails and touches what I create and says, you know, yeah, I like what you did and I'm giving you some feedback. So that's always important in podcasting and, and, and creating anything. And he did that. But there was a moment in time which you could say really sparked the ball rolling for Giant Size Team Up when Chris called and he said, or he, he just kept pushing, he goes, man, I can get uh, uh, a loan. I can do this. I want to help the business. I want to help fund you guys doing what you do, talking to me and Ibit and Klotz. And so I, I threw it to the guys. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about loans and all that, but let's hear him out. And the four of us sat down and Chris just, does what he does, which is no apologies, no shame. Just said, I think what you guys are doing is great. I think you could do so much more. You could be up there with people like Kevin Smith and Smartcast and, and do these networks and whatever I can do. And that's just where he left it. Whatever I can do to push that forward, I will do. And uh, wisely, instead of taking his money, because <laughs> we had no business plan, right? So we had no way of returning investment, uh, you know, those kind of things. Uh, we said, here, write some notes for us. <laughs> here, work for us for free. <laughs> yeah, work for free. And uh, and he did. And he did. And every time something new would come up, we're like, by chance, can you do that? Yep, I can do that. And he jumped in. And he had he never, not once, has he ever asked for anything or assumed any kind of, well, this is mine because I put in effort. It was thousand percent selfless is what it felt like of yep i'll do notes and i don't have to put my name on them i was like no man put your name on as as publisher you know do that kind of thing gets get some some notoriety of course we'd call him out on the show and make make sure he's a part of it when btp came around he didn't even ask for a seat at the table they just said how can i help and there was a number i mean he guested we got him in early guesting for the spoiler uh episode of star wars because that, that was the only panel we did in two different episodes for some reason. We did a non-spoiler and then a spoiler, but we separated them. Uh, and Ibit couldn't be on the spoiler one. So Chris <clears throat> got in on that one, and and then he returns later. And I honestly don't even remember why we – because it's been so long, it's like you've been here forever. So I don't remember what go, why we kept you off or why we go, hey, Chris should be on. At some point, you're just on the show. Hmm. And it was like you were always meant to be there. And it's gone, it's gone forward and is grown in the way it should grow. But behind the scenes, what nobody sees except us is the phone calls during the week going, yo, I got this idea and we really need to do that. Or, or the phone calls going, no, seriously, assholes, listen to Bosch. I am telling you, if you do not listen, you're, you know, and then you can fill in the blank from there. <laughs> And 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 the passion, and he's always wanting, you know, early on when we were building, he was like, oh, you know, scout these shows. Scout. The deal was for him to make partner with Giant Size Team Up, he's supposed to bring us Kevin Smith. We've held up our end. He's not held up his, but I'm not going to hold that part against him. <laughs> uh, but there was definitely resistance. On my, I mean, it always is. You got to prove yourself because I've had to prove myself, you know, and, and I've, I've learned from my mistakes of just taking people into the fold and having it burn me. But Chris just never cared. He he was always just whatever I can do, and I mean I can't even I can't even think of everything that he's done. Just artwork and and let's try this and just the the heart of the fandom of the notes that we do. And well, I say we. I mean it's him. It's all him. The notes he does. And Casey is taking over that. And Casey's gonna uh, never fill his shoes. Casey was the fourth member that we were missing, 
and you know we'll be taking off some of the stronger. Casey's notes are solid. He's his yeah. He's the to call I'm, just, I'm tearing up over here. <laughs> to call him a I 2.0 just, is probably not fair. He's I just he, I just can't I can't wait for another hundred episodes when I get to have a tear felt goodbye. <laughs> 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 your tear felt goodbye is gonna be the the feel of a boot on your back. <laughs> right. I was gonna say I'll be. I'll be back before episode before episode two hundred, Casey. You won't make it that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm leaving and I'm taking all my graphical assets with me, and I shall destroy the usurper. <laughs> uh, just yeah, just that that right there, just the jumping in, uh, never being afraid to to tell the jokes, never being afraid to stick your guns, never being afraid to play the role that you see needs to be played in the moment to make the show awesome. But at the same time, when Klotz and I tend to go at each other, you get in the, not in the middle, but you easily bring us together. Yeah. The last argument we got into about the free press, basically. And, and you're like, I see what Charles is saying. I see what Klotz is saying. You bring this whole, you, you tied everything together and now you're fucking leaving. And like the rug from the Big Lebowski, you really tie the room together. Yes. Oh, do we piss on him before he leaves? Casey did. Casey did all day long. Yes, that's pretty true. He's been kind of stunting on you for a couple of weeks, I guess, in yeah. a way. Well, I had to, you know, integrate myself with the group in a natural, we insult everybody way. <laughs> so I'm just oh, yeah. getting with the program. Yeah, yeah. For the, for the folks at home. It's not always the most warm and fuzzy reception you get to like you might you might come to the table with like an idea or something and uh and and throw it up in we we have numerous chats on Facebook uh by the way for like yeah. various shows and stuff like that between you know those of us who are uh partners in the network and the and the various shows and everything but we have a combined host chat that every host on the network is in and sometimes you might bring something to the table and be like, yeah, I'm just looking for a little positive reinforcement <laughs> and you will get brutally punched into the dirt uh, as people just troll or stun on you. By people, um, he means Chris Wisdom. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the most egregious abuse of it recently was myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was that. Over over Thanksgiving holiday where I beat up on Charles a bit, which I still feel a little bit bad about, but, uh, you know, ultimately it's one of those things where it, it, it we get a little bit of a clubhouse vibe going on sometimes, but, um, it, it's nothing but love. And it, it, I'll tell you, if you yeah. can take the beating, uh, <laughs> you're, you're one of us. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's been, <laughs> it's been really fun watching, uh, Casey find his feet in this mix at the same time as Chris is like getting dragged in the dirt where like his hands are in the ground and they're clawing these furrows as he's like, I don't want to go. Don't take me away. Um, You know, where real life is tearing him away from us, uh, you know, and, and his family too. Like, I mean, that's, that's the other thing is he'll be away from his family and everything too. And of course that's always sad. So, um, which is actually why he's leaving now. Uh, as opposed to when he's shipping mm-hmm. out, because he's, we believe in family here, family all day long. And I believe I've said at least once to everybody involved in the network, take some time. 
downtime for yourself, go be with your family, whatever you need. And second to that is go make money because we're still growing. We're break even. We're actually slightly in the positive this year for the the company as far as profits go. We're, we're breaking not- the positive. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not we're not paying paychecks, right? We're not we're not yeah. payroll. So my whole thing is no go make the money. You go what you do what you have to do. And so while Chris will be on Star Wars, the next panel for the movie Star Wars, um for that new fangled sci-fi thing, you know, you may have heard of. <laughs> Uh, I realized how I said it. I had to mark all the, all the kids are talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ready Player Star Galactica, something. I don't know. Uh, oh my God, go home! <laughs> <laughs> but he 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 will be there for that. But then uh, this is the last official, you know, normal show that he's on, uh, and he's going to spend time with. His, he's maximizing the time with his family, and uh, we hope that I. Well, screw that noise. I'm going to do everything in my power to stay on top of having him connected to the show and to the network and make sure you come home, man. Cause this is, this is home and this is where yeah. you need to be. Yep. That's, that's the plan. I mean, and I already screwed you once this week. Cause we were supposed to be recording yep. this on your birthday. Whoa. That was your birthday present. And I had to <laughs> screw that up. So happy birthday, Chris. Thanks. I appreciate it. And, uh, of course, this is uh, pre-Christmas. Hey, oh, you know, before I get into all that stuff, uh, I wanted to say before I forget, and I want, I want to do another round of memories before we get out of here. Uh, Travis, I looked it up because Casey had asked me the other day, hey, when did everybody join the network? And I just looked it up tonight as we're talking. Travis Jones was July of 2015 when mm-hmm. we really started talking. I think he's, we signed him a little bit later because he was in development, and I knew he had potential, so I did some off-network work with him to get him there uh but he's been with us forever man and at this point in time with the network officially as it stands he's the oldest show with the network outside of breaking the panel mm-hmm. so that's right and toy power joined us july of 2017 so july seems to be our month for getting good shows almost uh we got botched but that was yeah yeah mm-hmm. They're fun guys. Yeah. I didn't say they're uh, a great show. You didn't stutter. I mean, no. July is the month. July is the month for great show. <laughs> uh, Casey, do you have a question? Uh, you, I know you've only been here for about two months, and then you've had the panels. And actually, you've been here long enough. I can ask you this: What is one of your personal favorite moments of working with the show? Oh man, just the the belly laughs we get. That's a great one. That's a great one. Thanks. So let's move on to uh, the real. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, Can see? you feel the love? This is it. This is the moment. It's 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 the it's the goof arounds and the and the giggle fits. You know. <laughs> Oh, and, and the way. rotating and the rotating who gets to be Zoidberg this week? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that's a great analogy. Who gets to be Zoidberg this week? That's perfect, man. <laughs> that got me, Chris. I did not. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> God, you know, I love when Klotz made that joke. It was awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, Casey, yours is is just the the. The fun, the 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 moments like that where we just hit those spots and yeah. laugh so hard. You know, it really is like a like a family. You know, you can do a show with anybody. You can do a show with your friends, but when you really click with a group of people, it's it's just got that little bit of you know, it's got that little bit of magic. Cool, absolutely. Ah, uh, now do you have any questions? Because 
I, I, I kind of tasked Casey a little bit off air with, uh, I was like, hey, you've been listening for a while. You've been a part of it. But obviously, the three of us have been here the whole time. If there's any questions you have for us, uh, go ahead and fire them off uh, because it kind of represents the audience, you know, the the what they don't know. So, Casey, is there anything you want to know from any of us before we jump out of here? Well, I think between this episode and the last episode, the only the only one missing would have been how Charles, the rock god of podcasting, got started in podcasting as a whole. As an a-hole? You know, that's easy. Oh, yeah. Because we've got got Paul's start. We've got Chris's start. We've got the start of FTH. But, I mean, you just said it yourself. You've hit over a thousand self-recorded episodes between shows, between promotions. You know, you name it. That's huge. Casey, do you have Facebook open? Yeah. Go into our group. Go into our group chat (laughs) and just read on the air what his name is. No, I don't have it open. (laughs) Crap. I wasn't prepared for this. Duh bear crawling god of pot boy. <laughs> That's it right there. That's the whole biography. Yep. <laughs> but but what does it mean? What's in the box? What does it mean? Uh, so I I man, that I I gotta keep it short. Uh, there's lots of long stories there. Yeah, the cliff notes, cliff notes, yeah, cliff notes for sure. Uh, but basically, as I always felt stifled and I had something to say and I always was just hammered down and told I was wrong by every different direction. And as most people like that do, I got into music and and tried to write, you know, what I had to say. And it just wasn't working right. Yeah, I was never born to be a musician. Uh, I, Yeah, let's leave that there. Um and I was listening, I was working on a fire station and I was listening to this morning zoo crew, stupid radio show. And they said something about a podcast. You could catch your, your, our show and podcast. Like what the hell is this? And you're talking 2004. And so I went to their radio site and it wasn't a podcast at all from what podcasts actually are, but it was MP3, five minute MP3s of their shows uh, just stupid. And it's the worst segments, actually, of their whole damn show. And they ended up getting canceled uh, later. But you could download these five minute little segments of their show where they're doing bits. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And so I do what I do. As soon as I get uh, latched onto something, I started looking it up. And I looked up uh, Podcast Alley was the first thing that came up on. Uh, it wasn't even Google back then. I think it was Google was around, but I think I was probably using like hot what was that hot search or hot it's hot something i can't remember wow singles in your area folks (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you youngsters don't understand the days of the internet um and i i remember nudie pictures loading in a line Hey modems. Yeah. <laughs> your mom picks up the phone and it all crashes. Like, mom, I'm on the internet. Mom, I'm not even done yet. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I went to this place called Podcast Alley, and it was a conglomeration of shows. Right, you could get your show listed there. They tried to go out and find shows and list them, and they had them, you know, categories and of comedy and political and this and that and the other. And there might have been. I mean, this is worldwide at the time. There might have been maybe 500 shows listed there, maybe. And you didn't even have to approve your show. You didn't even have to have an episode out. You could just list your stuff on the site. 
and I remember digging through comedy and finding this show called Two Guys, One Brain. And uh, two jailers, th- their description was horrible. Two jailers in Washington State sit and talk about jail. I'm like, But it's in comedy. And I was a paramedic. So I'm like, all right, you know what? I'll give that a listen. And I was listening to them, and they sounded like they knew what they were talking about and what they were doing. And it sounded radio. It sounded awesome. And immediately, I jumped in and, and sent them a story. You know, emailed them a story. The next episode, I hear my name. You know, Charles, uh, your Big C, as I was called back then. Big C, you writes in. They're like, what? They read my story? Well, little did I know, I was like the first person to ever write into them. Because I didn't understand how podcasting worked. I just thought it sounded like radio, man. And they read my story. And from there, I started producing segments for them and doing bits and ultimately got my feet wet through their show and being on their show and just my personality shining through as it does and and becoming this. I kind of by de facto became their the head of their even though they didn't have an official fan club or anything. I've had strangers I've never met write to me on Facebook like, Hey, you know, Andy and Randy, can you get them to do another podcast? I'm like, who are you? Okay, sure. Whatever. And I'll call it because, you know, we're all just people, whatever. And, and, and it's, it was, it showed me the world that could be because through them, I went to Vegas for the first time. They had some big listener meetup and I wasn't going to be able to go because I had no money. I was broke as shit as a paramedic. And they flew me out to Vegas on their dime and, and fed me. And it was a great time. I felt valued for the first time in my life because of the stuff the work i was doing my work was valued and i started a little show called pulling my pod which is just, <laughs> as bad, just as bad as it sounds uh with me and my brother-in-law doing the morning zoo crew because I, I i thought i had to fit a, a specific you now just like two brothers might back to back pulling your pods <laughs> yeah mentally Seven corners no peeking we thought that, uh, that actually title came from we were both playing uh Baldur's Gate on Xbox, and there's a lot of uh, they called it. He, my brother-in-law called it treadmilling. I was like, it's more like mental masturbation, and he thought it's hilarious thing he ever heard. So he wanted to make a masturbation joke for a title, and and there you go, pulling my pod was it. And it, you got exactly. I mean, it was dirty jokes and stupid stuff, and but I felt lacking there too. So I started another show called What I Believe, and it was about tackling the issues of belief and how people see things. And I made sure to get somebody who's opposite of me. That could talk to. So you got me in the South, who's a uh, uh, openly straight guy. And I'm very, especially then I was very strong in my opinions and angry. And and so I got a New Englander gay man to be my host, Eric host. And it made for a very interesting show. Uh, we did about 30 episodes of that. And that's that was my start. And from there, I went to bear crawling and did three, almost 300 episodes of bear crawling. And that's where I met Dan Carlin. And he was my first guest and my final guest of that show. He he came on early on and and we we really connected there and then at the end when I was wrapping up the show, um he made sure to come on to be my final guest in my final episode and that was really good. Uh then then you know, um this is where I get a name drop. I don't get to do it all in a row very much. So I'm going to do it a little bit. Uh during that time I built a uh, grassroots network. Shut up, sit down, boy. <laughs> that is tough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I built that was my first network. We call it the Bear Calling Nation, and uh, that I that see that's why I resist everything now is because I really was like, hey, you've really got raw talent, and you're a funny person. I can see where you can go with if you just you know if you just do the world that I can see you doing, you're going to be amazing. 
let me build your website for you and produce your show. And by produce, I mean edit the crap out of it and handle everything. All you have to do is turn on the microphone. And that's no way to live. And it, it crashed and burned. Actually, no, technically, it rose to enough fame that we got acquired by Adam Curry in the Agenda stream, um, more or less. And I went to become Adam Curry's A&R guy for a while because I had an eye for talent. I just had a really bad way of managing it, uh, which is doing everything yourself. And then from there, it's just more or less the history. You know, uh, success freaks for a long time and uh, made lots of mistakes, man. And that's why, I, that's why I always encourage you guys, take a breath. Be with your family. Make that money. Because I, the reason Bear Claw Nation ultimately went away, Bear Claw and all that stuff went away, because my wife and I, we were at an a impasse. I was spending way too much time managing everything and, and putting the work in for no return. You know, imagine if we imagine we never got a patron on anywhere on this network. Imagine if we never you got anywhere beyond 50 downloads per show. Yeah, that's not much of a network and it's just no return. And that's what that was. And my wife said, pick one. And so I did. I, I went with Success Freaks. And then from there, I because of Success Freaks, I went to New Media Expo, met Brian Ibbett face to face. And the rest is history. You know, we made from the Helicare and what is that? 13 years now? August of 2004 was when I got into it. Um, so yeah, 13 years and a little over a thousand episodes. Damn, man, for as much goofing as we give you on the name, you've certainly earned it. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, because uh, I don't get to talk about this part very often. I want to I say this. The interesting thing I found through that whole journey was it wasn't until here. It wasn't until, it wasn't until Giant Size Team Up with the shows that we do here. It was, I'll give you some credit with, from, from the Helicarrier. I was never recognized for a personality that does a show. I was always connecting with people. Like, uh, uh, well, I always say Dan, I won't drop a whole lot of names, but like Dan Carlin, who were doing podcasts and people just saw them as these massive rock stars and like, but you're doing a show like me, will you talk to me? And nobody was asking him to be on his show. So he's like, or on their shows rather. So like, sure, I'll come talk to you for however long you want me. And, and just, I, I, I was the most well-known, non-known name in podcasting forever. You know, like I said, I, I literally worked with Adam Curry for a while, who's the, the pod father, and nobody who listens to podcasts would know who I was. But I go to a con, you know, like New Media Expo, which is a, a conference for podcasters, and I knew everybody there. And that's why I was like, fuck this. I'm the rock out of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to recognize, world. And it, it, I'll be honest, it's nice to be able to go to Dragon Con this past year and just have somebody who's listened to a show I've done show up because I did the show. You know, I say, man, I love what you do. I love your work. It's amazing. It, it took a very long time to get there. And I hope that you guys never have to do that. That I hope that, you know, next Dragon, by next Dragon Con, it's, holy crap, that's that's Paul Klotz. Holy crap, that's Casey Strohs and, and Chris Wisdom. You know? I won't be at the next Dragon Con, but thanks. Thanks, Charles. I How can you not do something, Chris? I <laughs> said, when you're at Dragon Con next year, people are going to recognize you. Don't say. I'm not going to be a Dragon Con next year, Charles. I can't. Charles be. pronounced my name right. <laughs> <laughs> you should just be happy he pronounced your name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a, a god amongst men mentioned your name. <laughs> just. <laughs> I'm having one of those moments like 2001 in Space Odyssey 
where I'm just like in this tunnel of light once Charles has uttered my name. <laughs> my God, it's full of stars. You know, that's why uh, doing the whole creator thing and all that, that's, that's why I feel it's important when people do write in, I make sure to mention their names. You know, when they call in, I try to make sure, because I think, mm-hmm. I think it, it meant a lot to me. You could rationalize it away, right? That very first email I sent in the two guys one brain, and they're they're still the website's there. They've done over five hundred episodes. It's worth a listen. I mean, it really is, uh, really entertaining, especially early days of podcasting stuff there. Uh, and I've owned a lot of it, so you can check me out there. But uh, just the power of hearing you, you matter, meant something to me. So I always try to bring that back to every show I do. But I got to tell you, uh, with all that road, with everything that I've done, my, one of my passion projects is the Rock Out of Podcasting at rockoutofpodcasting.com, uh, where I get to tell stories like this for an hour and a half and just go off. But is this show, you know, we could look at numbers and many of, the, many of other shows on our network do better numbers than what we do. But this show is the one that matters. This is a show that brings us all together, that everybody loves coming on and, and talking about stuff with us. You know, and, and out of everything I've done, this is probably the one I'm most proud of is, is I think this is the one that feels the best. I can, I can agree with that. Um, I like in hindsight from the helicarrier, I, I was proud of what we built that show into collectively, the three of us, you know what I mean? Cause there's definitely like, when you join a show like that, and I'm sure Casey, you're probably feeling this right now. When you join a show that's in progress, there's a little bit of all right. Now I, I gotta, I gotta run real fast to try to catch up with my, you know, my new compatriots here. Um, but once you fall into that groove, which I've said about a thousand times this episode, that phrase. Um, once you kind of start to collaborate and everything, you start to build your new show that is all of you. You know what I mean. And I'm proud of From the Helicarrier, but this has been an entirely different beast than that show was. Yeah. And it, it, it's been a lot more organic. And, you know, one of the things, like, in the very beginning, we didn't have a goal necessarily to talk about social issues in comics and fandom. But we did. You know, yeah. like like, as they came up, we didn't shy away from them. And then after a while, like once we did it a couple times and part of that was, you know, brought about by uh, Ellie being on FTH back in the day. Mm -hmm. But um, another big part of it was like it, we had good conversations. Now, that's not to say that our perspective at any given time has ever, I'm not going to say that we're always right. You know what I mean? There's definitely uh, there's times where one of us expresses an opinion that might be ignorant to things we're not aware of, or our opinions might change as time goes on. You know, what what I say today, six months from now, could have changed. You know, my, my opinion could be informed by other things, by more information, by by changing events, any of that kind of stuff. But we still have these conversations. And I'm proud of that. Like, I'm really proud of that. I'm proud that like these last couple months where it, we, the news has been plagued with all of this, you know, sexual misconduct and everything Yeah, and how it's, it's literally rocking the entertainment industry and rocking the political sphere. And, you know, it, it's, 
if you're in the public eye right now, you, you know, and you haven't already been outed as a sex monster, you're probably <laughs> quaking in your boots. But um, we didn't shy away from that stuff. Um, but at the same time, we're trying to adapt. We, you know, we uh, a few episodes ago we pushed that topic to the end of our show so that if anybody was like, it, we're learning. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things. Like you're like, because sometimes you're in the pocket and you're like, oh man, this is this is rough. And Casey actually was uh, one of our guiding voices in that moment where he was like, "Are we going to talk about this stuff every yeah. week?" Yeah. And I was like, you know what? We are, but I think just you saying that presented an opportunity to maybe shift our formatting a little bit to make it, you know, uh, uh, basically give people an ejection point if uh, they'd like to avoid that topic for the time being, because we're about escapism here. It's one of the core tenets of our network. It's one of the core tenets of the show. We all value the ability to get absorbed in other worlds and characters and all and storytelling, all that stuff. And sometimes getting bombarded by the the horrors of the real world can be a bit much. But I'm still really proud that we tackle these issues. And you know, one of the our early catchphrases was to approach things with positivity and nerdity. And yeah. it, I think we've done that. Like full I, frontal nerdity. Full frontal nerdity, <laughs> yes. I, I think we've always, like, even if we're, like, at times when we've completely dumped on something, like, and I do this, I'm probably the person who does it the most where I'm like, no, I very strongly feel like this is some serious <laughs> And I'll tell you why. It's always been... Our our intent has always been to be constructive, to have a, a constructive dialogue, to talk these things out and throw our message out to the to the universe that sometimes things are, but we can still talk about them and maybe we don't always agree, but we can we can have a conversation. And I'm pr- I'm really, really proud of that. And it's something I hope we never lose on this show. And I, I don't think we will. You know what I mean? Like. Barring, you know, the eventual heat death of the universe, I think we will continue to speak at length to yeah. to a, uh, you know, to these issues and just uh, dive in and, and be unafraid. So, well, what more need be said than here's to another hundred, gentlemen. Yeah. And uh, Chris, did he just try to preemptively take my final word. <laughs> Is that what he did right there? And he literally just tried to do that. Everybody heard right. that, right? We, yep. <laughs> I, we couldn't do this alone. We couldn't do this alone. Uh, okay, we could. We don't do this alone. We have an awesome team behind us that I want to mention. Uh, Nolan Overton, who does a lot of the tech stuff behind the scenes to keep the websites running and updated and builds all the emails for us and and those kind of stuff. Uh, huge thank you to him. He's He's been with me for a very long time, and I appreciate him. Mike Woodard, uh, the producer of the show, he does an amazing job and really – helps out a whole lot freeing up our plate to do more stuff. Uh, Brian Ibbett, of course, for being there when we needed him and pushing us forward. And while he's not on this show anymore, he's still got a hand in guiding the ship with China size team up. And, and he's a good, he's a great partner when you really aren't sure about things. All three of us, uh, the partners, if you don't know, Brian Ibbett, myself, Paul Klotz and Chris wisdom uh, from the network. We run the network and, and we can always go to him and say, hey, this is kind of th- what I'm thinking about. And I've been surprised a few times thinking, you know, he's going to come back and, and be all positive. And he's like, nope, fire him. <laughs> it actually hasn't been a firing situation. But, you know, he's done something similar. 
of course, Chris and Klotz, without you guys, the show would never go anywhere. Ever. It'd just be me rambling. Go listen to the first four episodes of From the Helicarrier. That's what this show would be without these guys. Just me rambling aimlessly going, somebody's got to talk about this. So I'm a gonna. Or and, alternatively, you could not punish yourself. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Uh, Casey, man, you, you've come at the right place at the right time. Uh, you know, uh, Chris, we knew Chris was leaving months ago. We we're trying to figure out a plan of how to handle it. And everything's just coming together correctly, where not only do you bring awesomeness to the table, that's different than Chris, but you're similar enough that we don't lose the flavor that Chris has brought, fully lose it. And then we find out, lo and behold, you can write and you can do art and praise Jesus. Uh, uh, (laughs) Do we, we, are we calling that art now? (laughs) You know, it's not Chris level art, but it's it's, it's all right. Um, yeah, you bring a whole. Well, I thought we were talking about Chris. My bad. Yeah, just- oh! <laughs> I was gonna let it ride. Just just ride it out. Yeah, let I, it go. I know a man. Full diva. I know a man who's listening to this episode going, "Come on, I know you're gonna say my name. I know you're gonna say my name." Carl Dodge, who <laughs> runs all the SEO for us at Texas, that guy. <laughs> uh he he does he's done some amazing work this year uh teaching us about seo and finding new ways to do things and helping the company grow as a whole and the show specifically and uh outside the network i want to say thanks to jay soderberg for taking a shot on us early on uh and getting us on blog talk radio because that freed up so much cost factor for building a network it's not even funny you know they they let us have all kind of free hosting and promotion. And uh, we really appreciate Jay for, for taking that uh, flyer on us. But to that end, uh, I don't just say thank you. I do things about it. So uh, other than Jay and Brian, uh, who Brian's like impossible to buy for, he buys everything himself. Uh, Jay is just a big thank you. The rest of these guys will be checking their mail uh, pretty soon to find some, some awesomeness coming their way as uh, just a little thank you for, everything that you've done and what it means to me to not just build this show, but build a network and go on in the future. And on that note, <laughs> they were like, well, I don't know what to say. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If by some chance you wanted to make some comments on this show and you missed it, that's okay. In two weeks, we're going to do the clip show and call it in, go to breaking the panel. That's uh, a giant size team up.com forward slash breaking the panel and click on that tab. It is a speak pipe tab. If you have the ability to record an MP3, you can email it to us. Uh, BTP at giant size team up.com as B is in breaking T is in the P is in panel at giant size team up.com. All that will make it into the clip show at one oh one Cause next week we're going to be doing a star Wars uh, the last the, Jedi. The Empire Strikes the Jedi down or something. I don't remember. <laughs> I hate you. Yeah. Okay, gonna... Man, early buzz on this movie is mm, I've greatest seen Star Wars of all time. Of all time. <laughs> uh, and that is that is I believe I believe if you of which uh-huh. not to derail our outro here, but member of the network, friend of the show. Yeah. Audrey Kearns, 
of booze and phasers. Fa- well, she was until she didn't. Act Former <laughs> friend of the friend of the show. Uh, she got to go to the official premiere in L.A. and we are salty and jealous. And no, we we love Audrey, and uh, she was gushing about it. So I am super excited. And yeah, it, yeah, not to derail everything, but yeah, no, you're right. Congratulations, Audrey. But damn, yeah, we are jealous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like that, if you want to get your, your letters and stuff in, uh, get them to us. We'll get them read. Uh, you know, I'll do the reading for the clip show itself because uh, we're going to take that week that we normally would record a fresh new episode. Uh, we're going to do our favorite moments and, and publish it out. But we're actually going to take that week to plan out 2018 and see what it looks like as a show and as a company. And, and so we can bring you more awesome stuff and do great, awesome things and not just... Uh, happy accidents as sometimes my life has been but until that you've got one more week beyond this to hear this tune in next week to hear christopher say stay golden pony people breaking the panel is the flagship podcast on the giant size team up network you can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giant size team up dot com.